I'm Brandon Bartnick, and this is the Future of Mobility Podcast. The Future of Mobility Podcast is focused on the pursuit of safe, sustainable, effective, and accessible transportation of goods and people. Given the critical nature of the world's climate and energy needs, these topics have never been more important, and they're certainly important to me. So, this podcast is a weekly interview series in which I learn from and put the spotlight on the people helping to develop and implement the technology required to move us forward. Who am I? As mentioned, my name is Brandon Bartnick, and I'm an engineer who realized that making a positive impact is the most important thing to me, both through this podcast and my career in the industry. If you're passionate about any of the topics I cover here, please feel free to reach out on LinkedIn or Twitter. I'd love to connect. Also, if you hear anything you like, please consider sharing the future mobility with a friend or colleague. This podcast is brought to you by Edison Manufacturing and Engineering. Technology innovation is great, but it doesn't mean anything if we can't bring our impactful products to life, which means we have to build them. And unfortunately, that's easier said than done, especially for startups and evolving companies that need a reliable option for low volume builds. That's where we come in. Edison is your turnkey manufacturing partner, specializing in build and assembly of highly complex products in annual volumes of 10 to tens of thousands, utilizing an agile and capital light approach. If you need a trusted manufacturing partner, then please visit us at edison-mfg.com or feel free to reach out to me directly at brandon.bartnick at edison-mfg.com or by visiting my LinkedIn page, Brandon Bartnick. Now to this week's episode. Today's guest is Peter Von Schmidt. Peter is CEO of Torque Robotics. He previously led Daimler Trucks Autonomous Technology Group, and he's now leading Torque, which Torque, if you aren't familiar, is an independent subsidiary of Daimler Truck. Been around since 2015, U.S.-based company here in Blacksburg, Virginia. Torque's been around since 2000, or not 2015, 2005, so 17, 18 years in this industry, and Peter is now leading this organization. So we talk about Torque, we talk about their approach to the technology, their approach to commercialization, the dynamic macro environment that we're in right now from, I guess, all technology. I mean, specifically, autonomous trucking has gone through some interesting times here over the last couple months here. We're, so we're in March 2023 as we record this. So talking with Peter about the state of the industry, about how Torque has approached it historically, and then also how they're thinking about it now, and then also how he's thinking about leading this organization through these dynamic times, he talks about Torque playing defense for a long time, being lean, waiting for the opportunity, and then being ready, they think, to put the pedal to the metal, go on offense when the time comes, when the technology around them is ready, which they think is, is about now, which is you know when also the time, coincidentally, when the rest of the industry tends, tends to be struggling, playing more defensive approach. So Really interesting to hear from Peter about how he's thinking about leading Torque, how Torque's thinking about the ultimate go-to-market plan and commercialization and lots of other things. So I'll leave it there for now. Really fun discussion here. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Peter Von Schmidt. Today I'm joined by Peter Von Schmidt. Peter, thanks for joining the podcast. Yeah, thanks uh, for giving me the opportunity to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I think this... Uh, Torque is really interesting. This space for autonomous driving, autonomous trucking is, is really interesting. It's a dynamic time in the space. I think there's uh, some some good questions being asked at a societal level and, and such that I'm explore, excited to dive in and explore. So would you mind setting the stage and first kind of introducing yourself and 
your role, I guess, both first at Daimler and then as you've transitioned to Torque? Yeah, that, 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 that's correct. Um, I was with Daimler for, for almost 17 years, so a pretty, pretty long time. I did a, did a lot of uh, cool things there um, and was on the Daimler side uh, for, the, for, for the past four years responsible for autonomy. Um, and also on the Daimler side responsible for acquiring the majority stake in Torque Robotics. Uh, so mm -hmm. uh, since, uh, since many years now, I, I, I work hand in hand with Torque. Um, and it's October 1st, um, I, could, uh, I could switch role and now being part of Torque finally. Um, but it feels, um, you know, it's, it, it, it's not, I'm not a stranger to the organization. The organization is not completely unknown to me. It's more like sitting on the other side of a table and now doing mm -hmm. a different job. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it's really a dream coming true, uh, running a robotics company, uh, that, that tackles one of the most difficult problems to solve autonomous trucking. It's exciting. Yeah. And uh, maybe I'll start with an intentionally vague question. But so, in in your mind, what what is the objective or the role for autonomous trucking? Um, maybe first of all, autonomy is a really, really broad field. You can mm -hmm. do taxis, shuttles, mines, whatsoever. Um, we at Talk and and Dino Trucks, by the way, also we always thought that that trucking might be one of the first applications um, and a really meaningful application um, just because there's a business need. And, um, you know, if, on the one side, you, you can you can always try to, to develop a technology and then, oh, okay, where can I apply it? Yeah? <laughs> we always came from the other side, um, Torque and Daimler, uh, really mm -hmm. thinking through uh, what does the customer need? What is the real problem that we need to solve? And is there a fit for the technology? And there's really a perfect blend in trucking. Um, as you know, trucking is, uh, is the backbone uh, of the U.S. economy, of, of every economy. Um, so it, it, it keeps things moving. And um, the U.S. economy is strong, so it's growing. So year over year over year, there's more freight that needs to be moved. Mm. Uh, but unfortunately, there are also less people that want to do the hard job, the, the long haulage uh, trucking, being a driver, a mm. truck driver. And that there's just a severe um, driver shortage. And this is a good ingredient because, you know, if, if there's a need for the technology, um, that usually helps you a lot. <laughs> Not having a, only a great technology, but also a great business uh, and a great product. And yeah, that, that's why we are so excited about trucking. I think that's one of the first and most meaningful applications of autonomy. Yeah, and so we're recording this in March 2023, and we so we've recently seen some some churn in the autonomous trucking space with a few kind of public and announcements of companies uh, small smaller organizations shutting down and I, i'd be the way i've perceived this is there was kind of you know you, you have your hype cycle people thought about this idea of autonomous trucking robo taxi seemed like the first uh, thing and we're like oh we can we can do this there's kind of set areas let's geofence it, and there's people focusing on that shuttle seemed like something and then it seemed like all kind of overnight over the last few months the public or the last few years, the public came to the idea that, hey, autonomous trucking isn't that hard. You're on, you're on long hauls. You're 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 not get especially if you go from hub to hub. This is a, yeah, relatively simple problem. It's not as complex with pedestrians and everything that you get within the cities. And uh, I think rightfully so, we seem to be now realizing, well, it's a it's a bit of an oversimplification. Like this is not a an easy problem by any means. And 
I guess my, my read on the situation is that it's, yeah, this is just coming to reality that there is a ton of value here. There's a business need, as mm-hmm. you just mentioned, but it's not an easy problem to solve. And there's not going to be a bunch of people who solve it and that this isn't just going to get rolled over, rolled out overnight. How, how are you thinking about kind of this, this overall industry and where, where we stand right now? Yeah. I mean, first of all, you are spot on. Uh, it's not an easy problem to solve. It might be a little bit easier than taxi. Um, in ter- two dimensions, technology, uh, but also business. Yeah, I think it's as all interstates look more or less the same. <laughs> mm-hmm. Once you solve the problem, it's also pretty pretty easily scalable, at least in in, in some dimensions. And cities they do not look alike. And New York looks completely different than San Francisco. I think there's much more um, similarity um, across across interstates. Um, so that's uh, I think that's why a lot of people saw this tectonic shift from from taxi to trucking. We we saw it coming early, so that's why we were from day one we were in trucking and nothing else uh, because we thought um, that is really the sweet spot of the technology. Um, in the end, I'm not so concerned. I think what we are now seeing is pretty normal in in a maturing industry. Uh, mm-hmm. You call it industry consolidation. It takes place over and over again. Um, uh, there, there, there will be, there won't be maybe not twenty or ten uh, autonomous trucking companies. Maybe now it's consolidating. Three, four, five might be left. New entrants will come. There will be comp- there will be always competition. You know, if there if there's business to make, <laughs> this <laughs> usually attracts people. So I'm not overly concerned. Especially we from Ford, we never entered the hype cycle. Yeah, because uh, trucking has some. Uh, we know the business really, really well. Yeah? Torque Talk is in the business since seventeen years. Talk always has customers. Had customers. Um, we brought in the Daimler expertise. For us, it was pretty clear that um, launching something in the year twenty two is really challenging. Yeah, because you need to solve some really specific topics for trucking. That's mainly the long range sensing, which wasn't there. Um, so you can do it with cameras, but then you need supercomputes. <laughs> uh, so the cameras are solved, the supercomputes. Um, it took it took some while. What you do mm-hmm. it with active sensing, you call it imaging radars mm-hmm. um, or lidars, which is a laser scanner more or less. And uh, you know all this technology wasn't there, but it's coming. No? And I think we see a lot of inflection points right now where technology, especially for our use case, is getting ready. Be, be it the compute be it the long-range sensing, be it the power of simulation. Uh, you also learned a ton in the meanwhile. Yeah? What's, what's the perfect sweet spot of robotics and AI machine learning? A lot of tools are just available. Um, so we, we never en- entered the hype cycle because we thought it's too early. Mm-hmm. We thought, go, oh, let's follow our plan. Our plan um, is really developing a scalable product, launch it when ready. And so, yeah, we, we are not overly surprised what's happening out there. It's, it's normal in terms of consolidation. And some companies might have been just a little bit too earlier. Sometimes there's a second mover advantage. Yeah. And you touched on the, this point of kind of sensor suite, which I'd be interested for you to ex- explore on kind of how, how Torque is thinking about the required sensors for this technology. And you, you kind of quick, quickly touched on it, but I think it's important piece of like, yeah, there's this case out there, which I think is losing momentum even in the passenger car space of uh, the argument that, hey, humans drive primarily with eyes, cars can self-drive, self-driving cars, but the thing that you miss in that equation is the computer between our ears is 
unbelievable at putting together the information that we're perceiving, that we're the inputs that we're getting and turning that into perception and then making decisions based on that, which, yeah, the compute, as you mentioned, that you require to, to actually match that is, is incredible. So how, how do you think about the required, the required sensor suite for autonomous trucking? Um, I mean, humans are just incredible. Yeah, with two eyes and a pretty cool computer, <laughs> yeah, you can do a ton of things. And a lot of things were, were a, a robot, and then autonomous truck in the end is a robot. Yeah, um, st- still struggles to, to come to the same level. And in some situations, it might never uh, be as good as humans. Um, in some, it might be better. Um, yeah, we, we are a strong believer that you need a full sensor suite um, of cameras. Um, radars and lighters and by the way our trucks will also have microphones and fire detectors and things like that because you know a, a driver does much more than just uh, ju- ju- just looking to perceive mm. uh, the environment you also have ears you hear you smell if something goes wrong we feel if there are vibrations uh, so, so in the end you need a ton of sensors um, to compensate uh, for, for all the sensing humans can do it's about 50 sensors that you have on such an autonomous truck. It's mm-hmm. really a ton. Uh, but, but each sensor has strengths and weaknesses. And only if you apply the full suite and different modalities, you can compensate for. Yeah. And so, so we are a strong believer um, that, um, especially in the beginning here, I mean, down the road, you, you might say, can I do it with 10 sensors less? Or can I skip a modality? But we are a strong believer, especially if you launch, uh, you shouldn't compromise on safety. You, should put everything on there, <laughs> which makes your, which makes your product safer, and and we are a strong believer that you need a full sensor suite. And does that include so some of the companies in this space have taken a strong stance that FMCW or this this long range lidar that you know is, is different than uh, you know, kind of your or your, your spinning lidar or whatever, but but that FMCW is an important piece of autonomous trucking given the line of sight that you get. Um, is that part of the the equation for you guys as well, or how are you thinking about long range sensing? Yeah, I, I do not want to comment on the specific sensor type that we are okay. using in lidar, uh, but uh, indeed we are we are looking into 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 the frequency uh, in the FMCW lidars, mm-hmm. um, but also into the um, yeah into the lidars that have this fifteen fifty range, um, mm-hmm. the the nine or the, the nine hundred nanometer range. Uh, it's not looking far far out enough. Um, FMCW is a pretty, pretty interesting uh, technology. As um, uh, what we love about lidars, it's an active sensor, so uh, you can really measure distance mm-hmm. with cameras. You are estimating distance or guessing. Your cameras are super good in understanding the context, uh, colors, what kind of objects do I see, the, the exact shape of an object. Uh, but they're not that good with uh, with distances, and lidars are just fantastic because you measure. Um, Frequency modulated uh, lighters, uh, they add one component, uh, the so called Doppler effect. Um, you also uh, measure speed, velocity, mm-hmm. uh, like a radar. And uh, you just have one more information for each reflection point that you get back. And that helps you a, a ton to really, pretty early on, if you just have three points on an object uh, to identify, oh, they move all in the same direction with the same speed, they might belong together. Because you know, if you get a f- reflection out there, 500 meters out, three points, does it belong together or not? Does it move or not? Uh, so that, that's really the beauty about this technology. Hmm. It's it's pretty early stage, or they're, they're not 
too many companies that let's say have solved or are close to solving the problem, but it's a very, 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 very promising technology. You are, you're spot on. Cool. Yeah. Good, good to hear. And I'd be curious to explore the, as, as you see the commercialization path. So, right. We're, we're in this technology development phase now and validation and refinement. Think How do you see Torque bringing this technology to market and what, where are the initial applications you're going for, and how do you, how do you see this kind of scaling over the next few years? Um, so, so I talk first of all. Um, our uh, we are a strong believer in you need to focus, and that, that's why uh, and, and autonomy is just um, yeah, it offers so many opportunities. To say it in a positive way, you can also say in a negative way. So many distractions, but that's mm-hmm. why we focused um, on the beginning really just on hub to hub tracking. One region, US, um, one application, class eight, and uh, the Cascadia truck from, from, from the Freightliner brand, and uh, start with that and nothing else. And once once we solve the problem, then you can you know roll it out and 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 and, and uh, exploit all the opportunities out there. Um, in terms of Technology, I already said um, it, it's it, it's a class eight market in, in US that we are targeting the hub to hub trucking. Hub to hub, that means more or less there's a distribution center pretty close to an interstate, um, driving from the distribution center to the interstate is not too complicated. Yeah. Uh, sorry, not too long, say two miles or five miles, and then you just do the interstate. Yeah? Some lane changes, mergers, maybe changing interstates. It could be 200 miles, could be 500 miles, or 1,000 miles. Yeah, and then you take the exit ramp. And again, ideally, there's a distribution center pretty closely located uh, to, to the exit. So this is our, let's say, starting product. Mm-hmm. And uh, we want to do it um, roughly I-40,000, just in terms of uh, there's a lot of freight, um, but the weather conditions are more favorable um, as if you go uh, go more north. Yep. Yeah. So that that that's why we think that's a really great starter. Uh, there's a ton of business that you can make, a, a really interesting problem that you can solve. Um, and once it's solved, then you can try to 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 expand, do more regions, add more capabilities in terms of weather, improve your surface street capabilities that you can reach more complicated um, hubs. But some mm-hmm. hubs you might never reach with an autonomous truck, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it makes. But the really complicated things you, you we have humans and they do great, <laughs> and they will always be part of the equation. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. The the argument that I often hear around automated driving in general, and even specifically autonomous trucking, sometimes is like, yeah, people throw out uh, an edge case where it's like, yeah, this is never going to make sense. That's fine, right? Like, we, you don't need you don't need to solve every possible problem to have a viable business and to provide value to your customers and to society, you can yeah. solve uh, some percentage of them that are the biggest pain points and offer a huge, a huge benefit. And maybe uh, sometime in the future, we get to that. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. yeah. I think with the technology uh, that, that we are developing, you're not addressing 100% of the market, mm-hmm. not a certain percentage. Um, and it will, and it will grow from there. And I also hear here quite often this argument, ah, uh, you know, uh, Driver shortage on autonomous. On the one side, autonomous creates a ton of jobs and of different jobs. Um, it might take a little bit there the middle mile, um, but it makes trucking more more regional. 
uh, which is attractive. It creates new jobs and emission control and things like that. Um, but even, I think, in the most optimistic assumptions um, in the year 2030, something maximum 5-6% of the freight could be autonomous. And then this mm -hmm. is the, really the optimistic upper end. By then, freight will grow by 30%. So don't get me wrong. It's a super attractive market. It's big. Um, it can help um, to, to, to address the driver shortage uh, problem, but it's only one means. There will be more means needed. Yeah, So it's mm -hmm. not solving the problem uh, in itself. So, And that's why I'm also not too afraid in terms of acceptance. I think it's, it's um, it will get acceptance uh, by drivers. Uh, by shippers, by carriers, by society. And how are you thinking about what this sales and customer support process ultimately looks like, right? So this seems like a complex enough technology and a big enough change in the daily operation of these fleets that it seems like it's a tough sell to just throw something over the fence and say, hey, you guys have an autonomous truck, have fun, <laughs> make, make the best use out of it and, and get back to us and uh, yeah, let's, let's move on. Like, what, How are you thinking about that customer support and Torque's role in helping your customer really fold this into their business and get the value out of the technology rather than just having the technology sit there and be a, a fancy kind of marketing purchase? Mm -hmm. Oh, there, there are many, many dimensions to, to, to answer this question. So on the one side, uh, we want to make it as easy as possible uh, for fleets uh, to use our product. Um, that, that starts with how to buy it. <laughs> so mm. You will buy a, a truck from Freightliner, which is completely upfitted, and a software package from from Torque, which includes the virtual driver and the mission control. So it's a pretty pretty proven model, video capture, things like that. You do it pretty similar today. So, so we, we try to find a model which is... Um, super easy for fleets and what they are used to. And the virtual driver might be even a subscription model so that it's um, also not, not complicated by mile thing or things like that. Um, you know, there is a monthly fee, like, like you pay a monthly wage today. So you can make a lot of things just um, from the financial side uh, pretty easy. Um, the next one, I think, um, fle fleets, um, they really want to understand what does it mean for my operation. Yeah? And you know, there's not only a, a shortage of drivers, there's also a shortage of technicians. And so that's why uh, we are talk, we, we have a um, um, customer advisory council, and they really help us uh, to understand their problems, uh, what, what impact does uh, do autonomous trucks generate on their operations. And that's the entire mainten maintenance and operations part and mm -hmm. the entire vision control part. And it's super exciting just just to get the input uh, from the customers, uh, from big fleets, from big carriers, um, what they really need and where we need to help them and what's also needed so that we can be successful. Yeah? How can we also uh, plug into their fleet management system, for example? Yeah? I mean, the reality will be um, for very, very long times, um, any fleet will have a mixed fleet of manual driven trucks and autonomous trucks. Yeah? You don't want two mission controls or things like that, yeah. So, so how do we create APIs that the fleet is enabled uh, to manage autonomous and manual trucks out of your one mission control? So there, there, there's a ton of things you need to work on, and, and that you also need to solve, which goes way beyond driving. Yeah? So um, to, to have a product that is attractive to the market, you need to solve more than just the driving piece. Mm -hmm. But that also makes it super interesting, especially the 
um, the interaction with customers, it's um, yeah, it's just inspiring for our engineers. They, they love it. Each time a customer comes out here and provides feedback, ah, the, <laughs> the emotions go high. It's yeah. really motivating. You're not just writing, writing a code to, to have a better code and uh, tell it to your friend. No, no the, the feedback from customers is ultimately what we're seeking for. Yeah? Creating a solution yeah, okay. that I really need. Can, can we just, and uh, we don't need to go much deeper than the surface, but I, I'd be curious to talk a bit further about this, this mission control aspect, because this is, this is really interesting to me in the, just conceptually of like, okay, so it seems like there's just, you're, you're adding additional variables to this account and you have this, you know, this new technology that can solve certain pieces of it, but you also need to figure out, okay, where are we resource constrained and when, and what are the right routes where we're going to have human drivers to support versus when we need a route that does not have a driver. Also, I mean, is weather and stuff going to play into this? And like, are, are there aspects of, yeah, maybe sometimes, especially early on, if there's a huge storm coming through or huge winds or, or whatever, maybe we don't send out the autonomous truck on this certain route or like, what what are the variables to the complexity that is added to this mission control optimization problem as you introduce autonomous trucks? Yeah. So I, I, I'm pretty sure on the one side, we just need to teach or be very transparent to fleets what autonomous trucks can do and what they can't do. Yeah? And the fleets will be perfect in optimizing their net networks and adjusting their networks to, to, to what it's needed. They really know their business. Yeah, I think it's more about um, really being transparent and then uh, enabling the, the different players. Uh, you know, there, there are dispatchers that sit in the fleet, uh, that, that, that um, in, in the fleet mission control center, uh, just, and, and they are doing a lot of things, and they need to be able to, whatever, put a mission on a truck <laughs> to yeah. monitor ETA. Is the truck arriving on time or not? Um, the health status here, yeah? is the truck healthy or is something going wrong? Like, like today, you know, an engine could blow up, Luckily, it doesn't ha happen too often, but it can happen, or a tire could blow up. happens a little bit more often. Uh, so yeah, you just also need, need, need to do all this surveillance part. Um, yeah, and, and, and then there might be an anomalies. Uh, like I said, there's, there's really bad weather. Um, I mean, humans tend to drive, um, even in super inclement winter. Maybe even sometimes they shouldn't drive. Yeah. So in autonomous trucks uh, will have limits. Uh, we, we call it ODD, um, mm -hmm. our operational design domain, where we say, okay, you can drive up to so much wind, but then you better stop, or so much rain, then you better stop. And um, it's important that in mission control, you, you plan ahead for this. Yeah? Usually, let's say, uh, a big thunderstorm coming is not really a surprise. Yeah? There is forecast. Um, start your vision a little bit earlier or later. <laughs> or mm -hmm. park and, and wait for three or four hours until uh, until the wind limit um, um, is reached again. Um, there, there, there are a lot of workarounds. So for example, we, we are testing here in Albuquerque. Uh, I think in my back, yeah, you, you yes. see a beautiful picture here of these mountains. And especially around this time, uh, here really, really strong winds. But the strong winds usually are in the afternoon. So. I mean, if you know this and you have forecast on this or, and you're running through the area with an autonomous truck or, and, and, and you know the winds will go really high in mission control, you will try to avoid <laughs> that, the truck is, uh, that the truck is running through this area at, at this, uh, let's say, yeah, after lunch. 
And mm -hmm. these are just the things, but you need to enable them later on uh, dispatchers uh, to, to plan the mission correctly. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And another thing I want to go back to quickly. So you mentioned Freightliner upfitted chassis. How, how have you, I guess in, in your role at Daimler and then now at, now at Torque, thought about this question of how much is this going to be off the line upfit of a, you know, a vehicle that comes off and then you add on the sensor suite and compute and whatever you need off it, offline and you have this upfitted vehicle that then you're going to sell versus how much is this like as built into part of the core assembly process for Freightliner so that you're rolling off the line and you're, you're ready and it's autonomous ready. And where is that kind of switch point or that decision point at which it makes sense to transition from the first to the second? Yeah, I think that's our, that's a unique advantage that Torque has. Is, um, it's majority owned by Daimler Trucks. There are no mm -hmm. IP barriers. Um, so from day one, we can create a fully integrated uh, product mm -hmm. um, and really optimize our driver for the autonomous ready cascade here. Um, and uh, I, I think you, you, you really see it and feel it if you're in the truck, just the smoothness of the ride, how, how the entire motion control, how everything is done how the virtual driver communicates uh, with the physics um, of the vehicle. It's, it's just awesome. Um, but uh, but also the points that you were just mentioning, uh, uh, Torque will specify what is needed in terms of sensors and computes. Um, and then Freightliner uh, will supply the parts and, and will put them um, in their assembly plans, assembly lines on the trucks. So, so the, the purpose or the idea is really that these trucks are manufactured in Freightliners, assembly lines. Hmm. Um, I personally believe that's the only way how you can achieve cost targets that are attractive uh, to fleets. It's also the only way um, how, how you can uh, get good quality and reliability because uh, nothing can beat, uh, can, can beat an assembly line. All this offline, greater fit things, uh, they're expensive, but also there are so many variables in terms of, in terms of quality. And then last but not least, uh, uh, scalability. Mm -hmm. And believe me, the customers also like this. Yeah, now we have hardware issue, Freightliner, software issue, talk. You have super clear lines of demarcation that you would expect as a, um, as a, um, as a fleet customer. So, yeah, you don't want, um, oh, there's a problem with the radar. Go to talk. Yeah. <laughs> so I think um, it's, again, making it easy to fleet uh, to accept it. But uh, building it off assembly lines, I think that's really needed uh, for product. You know, not for demos or prototyping, uh, but that's the that's really the target state. And I think a uh, unique, unique advantage that Talk Robotics has. Cool. And I'm I'm not sure I will be uh, be very concise in the way I frame this question. So hopefully you can get kind of the uh, the gist here. But I'm curious the the rollout plan or what what kind of the stages look like, right? So. Some some companies, you know, there's kind of on or there's a I don't, here we're running this route in Texas and we're going to do this a thousand times or whatever. And that somehow allows us to get to the next step and continue kind of adding from there. Others maybe aren't thinking the, exactly the same way. How, how at Torque are you thinking about as this technology matures going from kind of on-road validation and verification to you know proof of concept, proving it out and then bolting on and adding up to the point where you get to that kind of production and you kind of can hit that hockey stick curve. What what will that process look like? Or what are the milestones along the way and as you continue to mature? Um, 
Yeah, in terms of, um, I think I think your first question was a little bit, where do we launch? And in the end, um, I think you're developing a product which in principle can do Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, right, on a Georgia. So, so mm-hmm. everything, and then it, it's more a decision where, where do you have the feeling you have a good first application of your market, and then within two or three years, you want to do it all, yeah? You know, some companies start with I-10, some start with Texas, Magic Triangle, uh, San Antonio, Houston, uh, Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, we picked I-40, <laughs> yeah, because I think it's, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of freight. Um, it's going coast to coast. Uh, I think in the end, it doesn't matter so much where do you start, um, because uh, after two or three years, uh, I'm pretty sure that all, all big players will have a roller plan and, and can do more. And um, we, we picked something different than everyone else. Um, yeah, we, we are pretty confident it's, it's a good choice, but but, but it's more about uh, the entire whole plan, which which is behind. Yeah, and then what our I... development, of course, uh, we have milestones. So mm-hmm. uh, quarter by quarter, we are tracking our progress and we are delivering on our promises. Sometimes we also have setbacks and we also have a pretty uh, pretty long plan year over year over year with key milestones. Um, that we want to achieve um, until we are ready to uh, to launch a product. And launching mm-hmm. a product in the end, there are a lot of things that, that we need to check. Um, and there will be first, we call it a virtual validation one, where we really run through, through simulation. And once it's proved that it's uh, that it's safe, and then we will have the last the physical confirmation one on uh, on on routes. Yeah, so and there's a pretty good plan how to come from now to product launch and then mm-hmm. how to scale later on. And uh, I don't know how much you can share here, but uh, can you share anything about kind of what are the the main kind of re- remaining hurdles or what, what are the what are the things and you could speak even g- generally of like what, what are the topics or the the big pillars? I mean, is it I don't know, the simulation virtual validation? Is it putting together and executing on a safety case? Is it cybersecurity or what, what, what are the things where um, you, you think are kind of the, the big hurdles that are left to be overcome before you're ready for a wide scale, scale rollout? Um, I, I think that that's really the really difficult thing about autonomy. There, there is still lot, a lot of work uh, to, to be done um, <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> so, it, you know, uh, the, the, having this autonomous ready cascade here, um, where we have a redundancy uh, designed in. Um, mm-hmm. I think uh, there's a super cool plan, uh, a, a crystal clear concept, but it just needs to be executed. Same too for the sensor suite and compute. I think there, there is still some work to do, then just needs to be executed. But um, I think in terms of software, it's, it's really making sure that, that all your requirements are broken down to all software components, hardware components, redundancy, uh, really double checking that that this is, uh, has been done uh, and is good enough to solve. It's not only safe, but, but also solve all these uh, we call it edge cases. And here's mm-hmm. some really really difficult one. It's mainly lost cargo and around construction sites, um, uh, which uh, which are the ultimate challenge. And then really proving out that you have solved all the edge cases. First of all, found and documented all edge cases, um, and then solved it. Um, th- this is where, where a ton of work still goes on now. Yeah? Um, mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, the standard driving 
it's almost solved. Yeah, I mean, uh, just yesterday I, um, I had a ride, or and we also had some some customers in Blizzard here. They had a ride. It was an eighty minute ride without a disengagement. Yeah, but um, usually on standard rides you do not uh, encounter so many of the really hard edge cases mm -hmm. because really hard edge cases they have maybe five thousand miles, ten thousand miles, and uh, there are still a lot of work that needs to be done. Yeah, and I think that's a good distinction. Also, it seems like the the right mindset to have. Like, I mean, yeah, the capabilities is incre they're incredible, right? The, what what these vehicles can already do, it's it's astounding watching and how, how much of the problem has already been solved. But as it's kind of cliche, but like it's it's the last pieces here that are <laughs> are the, the yeah. top parts, right? <laughs> that's the fact, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and, so and maybe... uh, that, 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 that's also really the hard challenge to, to compete with you. And I think in standard driving, don't get me wrong, autonomous trucks will be better. Mm -hmm. They don't get aggressive. They don't get tired. Um, it doesn't matter. Uh, they will drive um, in the first hour of the day. In the last hour, hour of the day, they will always drive like the best driver. Um, they will have a faster reaction time than a human could have. So, for example, um, if there's crosswinds or sidewinds, it's impossible for a physical driver to, to, to beat an autonomous truck. Just direction times of milliseconds, uh, humans don't have this. Um, but where humans are really good are in this edge cases, assessing a situation, and here our brain comes into play, and, and then making the right decisions. Yeah. And so I think in standard driving, it's, it's easy to beat humans. Uh, but in the edge cases, it's, it's a real, real challenge uh, to, to, to beat a human brain. Mm -hmm. uh, and and and, are, and and or at least uh, reach the same level, and that's a challenge uh, that we are working through. The good thing is, though, on an interstate, it's much more structured. Uh, then uh, the, the problem that you need to solve in in a city um, mm -hmm. is is again a different order of magnitude. Yeah, that, that makes that makes a lot of sense, and I think the. Uh... The relationship with Daimler probably helps you, but I'd be curious to get your thoughts on how, how do you run a business like this, and how, how do you think about leading a, a business in an organization like this, right, where you have this very challenging, game-changing technology that you're working on. You're losing money now, right, because there's a lot of money that goes into actually developing and rolling out this technology, but there's this potential or likely payday coming in the background to, for your investors and your, your kind of your, your parent company and everything. How do you think about your role of responsibly balancing all of these things where, you know, you get people who they want to see these things on the road, they want to get antsy also, you certainly don't want to roll out too soon because there's going to be a whole host of, of issues there. You want to maintain momentum within the team, but it, there's a lot of variables here. How, how do you think about your role in leading this organization? Yeah, but I think um, you know, um, be, being part of a um, of a company like like Daimler, Daimler Trucks, um, and Talk was always super frugal. So we, we didn't scale up um, too 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 early, too quickly. But we mm -hmm. were really doing the foundational work and getting the pieces together. And um, and then there's a, I, I, I'm fully convinced there's a second mover advantage. I'd say if your plan was uh, to launch in the year 23 an autonomous truck, which some people had, you had to develop your in-house imaging radar, your in-house imaging lighter. You, you, you all of a sudden didn't solve only for autonomy, but mm -hmm. also building pretty complicated things here where lighter companies have raised a billion to solve this problem. You had to do all of this. Yeah? So we decided, no, 
let's work on their foundations. Let's wait until the technology is there and has been solved by others so that we also can share the course and that we really con concentrate our resources, our money, just on the core and uh, collaborate in the periphery with partners. Let others solve the things in the periphery. Yeah, The imaging <laughs> radar, the LiDAR, the simulation, a lot of tools that you need uh, to do AI machine learning and automated um, annotations and a lot of things that today you can buy. Three, four years ago, you had to develop for billions here. Yeah? And it, it's just um, waiting until um, a lot of technologies ready that could be immersed, concentrating us on our core um, and then now now playing the, the second mover advantage, but now also really starting um, developing a product. And, uh, you know, a product, a scalable product is something else than a, than a cool tech demonstrator, but it's mm -hmm. the only thing trucking needs. Yeah? I mean, you don't buy trucks because you love trucks. Some do, but usually you just buy them because it's a tool so that you can do your business. And your business is something else. You produce food or cars or... <laughs> <laughs> or I don't know, uh, furniture, yeah. uh, but, but, you know, and no one buys the truck because uh, they, they love truck. It's just a tool. And that, that, that's why it needs to be reliable. Uh, it needs to be cost efficient. And, uh, and, 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 and that's what, that is our mission. I think we now have the perfect time. And that's also why we could convince uh, the domain investor on this time, the truck that now is the right time uh, to, to play offense. You know, while, while, while others now, now play defense and, oh, Let's go. I know. How to survive? Should we change our strategy, our business model? Uh, mm -hmm. You might have heard that we just um, acquired a Canadian company, Algolux. Uh, so, mm -hmm. so we we are playing offense right now. Yeah, and I think that uh, it was a really smart strategy to be laser focused on hub to hub trucking, nothing else, development product, not a tech demonstrator, and play offense when it's the right point in time. And uh, the Algolux is just a fantastic addition to our team. Um, uh, they're, they're, uh, we, we were working with them since uh, more than 18 months. Uh, so on the one side, we knew their technology. We knew the people. Most important thing, you need a cultural fit. Yeah, You need to think <coughs> alike. You need to like each other. <laughs> uh, otherwise, an acquisition um, usually is not a success. Uh, but they are super cool in all this computer vision and AI machine learning. And don't go wrong, you cannot have enough AI machine learning experts. <laughs> So um, we just felt it's time to play offense now. And yeah, um, yeah that, that's why I think uh, we were able to convince um, our key investor, Daimler Trucks, um, to keep financing us. And by the way, I think it's uh, pretty true for a lot of future technologies, be it electric, be it fuel cell, be it autonomous. Currently, it's an investment. The payback will come in a couple of years. But the payback of autonomy could be enormous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, and the, the strategy of kind of waiting for the right opportunity to, to pounce is, I think it's it's obvious that there's the tough piece of the uh, the discipline to wait and to see everyone making exciting no news and see the industry potentially publicly moving and, and have the discipline to sit back and say, no, no, it's not the time. But the other side of that coin is you also need the courage to pull the trigger when the time's right and to have the force, the foresight, right. And to say, well, now all of these pieces are coming together. Now is the time when we go on offense. Yeah. And I, I think that's often because you, you could just sit back and be passive forever and then never actually jump on yeah. that opportunity. And you can also go back in history and, and watch our press releases, be it talk, be it I'm not truck. We always said, um, you know, this technology will be there uh, end of the decade hmm. at, at, at scale. 
that means obviously it will start a little bit earlier, mm-hmm. but we never end at this hype. It will be there in the year 22 and 23, and let's raise billions. Um, back then, everyone was making fun on us, uh, on us. but we, we had really the guts and said, no, it, it's not what we want to develop. We want a scalable, scalable product for trucking. That's what's needed. We think mm-hmm. the second half of this decade is the right timing. Let's go for it. And now looking backwards, I think uh, we were proven right, and I'm really proud that we that we kept our strategy. And and, and in this in this hype that was there two or three years, I mean there was a ton of pressure. Yeah, change your strategy, be faster, do this. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm really glad that we stick to our mission, and and and, and just deliver on it. Yeah, and you you touched on just briefly electrification and hydrogen fuel cells and. I know you have experience here as well from your, your time at Daimler in this uh, just overall truck strategy. And I'd be curious to get your thought on so decarbonization as an overall topic in, in this space. We'll take whatever technologies you want. I mean, autonomous driving even potentially plays a, a, a role in, in here. But how, how do you think about the biggest, what are you most excited about in the uh, the decarbonization space personally for long haul um, heavy duty trucks? Um, let, let, let's answer it a little bit selfish from the autonomy perspective. Mm-hmm. I think autonomy short term can contribute um, to to less less emissions because overall uh, we're pretty convinced uh, you can do an end-to-end trip with say minus 10%, so be- better fuel economy because the truck drives super smooth uh, it doesn't need to stop uh, for rest. If you stop, you're, you're, lo- you're already losing, I don't know, half gallon or a gallon or something like this. So, I mean, uh, there's a potential just to burn a little bit of mm-hmm. fuel on emission. And maybe then doing the legs, the first and last mile in electric today. Um, but going forward, I mean, my big dream as a developer uh, would be really to have an autonomous electric truck or an autonomous fuel cell truck. And it will come. Yeah, not today, because we really need range. Yeah? I mean, the diesel provides me 1,000-mile range. That's perfect for autonomy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just not there in electric. But eventually it will come, and it will make our mission only easier. So, so everything is foreseen to, to switch from diesel to electric uh, in, in our system. But, you know, an electric truck will have more torque. Great. Um, um, it will be much smoother. You don't have the shifting or, or, of, of gears. Um, the redundancy of the electric supply is given by nature because you will have, say, six or four battery packs there. So don't you don't need to think about redundancy in electric supply. It's just there. You know, today we add uh, additional batteries to the truck and things like that. So um, just from a development perspective, for with an electric truck or fuel cell truck, the autonomous mission or the, the, the challenge for our engineers, um, it will be just just easy. Mm-hmm. It's foreseen, it will be easy, so we're really looking forward to this future. And by end of the decade, I'm pretty sure that, that you see the two technologies merging. They're developed independently, but both of them will merge. Yeah, I might be wrong, but uh, that, that's my forecast. <laughs> yeah, and it, it seems like it, the, the one piece of that is the electric drive piece coming so, sooner. Like it, That seems like a certainty, maybe the, the question of what's where is that energy storage actually coming from, whether it's batteries or hydrogen fuel cells or yeah. maybe even a, a cleaned up um, like a renewable diesel or something? It seems like that's still up up for debate, what what the right mix is there, but I'm, you obviously know a lot more about that industry than I do. Yeah. 
Yeah, we'll find out. Let's say as soon as there are um, robust, reliable, 500 mile plus trucks in electric or fuel cell, um, I think that, that that that's a sweet spot. This 200 miles. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, you know, it, it's not unrealistic. People see it. And, and so I just pivoting for a, a little bit here and then we'll, we'll come back to, to close the discussion here. But one of the things I, I really enjoy learning from the guests I have on here is, is how they've I don't know, evolved and learned th- throughout their career and, and maybe even advice that's offered to uh, to up, up and coming individuals who are, are working. So can you think back to any specific resources or learn to so like whether it's a book that you were introduced to or something else kind of through through your career that's had a big impact on you or that you might recommend to someone who comes to you and says, hey, I want to learn, I want to develop myself and, and all these things? I mean, for me, um, that, that they have, my, 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 my coolest career path um, was um, me, le- leading uh, Daimler Trucks uh, World Engine Program. Today, it's pretty standard, but it, it was uh, about 10 years ago. Um, you know, Mercedes-Benz had different engines, or Freiliner had different engines, Fuse Mitsubishi had, uh, had different engines, and it was the first time uh, that Daimler Trucks uh, put those engines uh, on... Uh, yeah, models on the platform. Yeah. So today, today they're powered uh, by the same engine and it's just uh, different for regional applications. Uh, per engine, there's 20% different, but it's a global platform. And running this global platform, it was so much fun. Artists, uh, you know, really working across all time zones with German engineers, American engineers, Japanese engineers. Uh, but again, designing something for the customers and... Um, this engine, by the way, was uh, was uh, was super successful. It was the key driver to really make Freightliner the fleet truck. Yeah? And um, Freightliner today has forty percent market share. It came from thirty percent. It was it was really cool contributing to such a massive industry shift and creating an object of desire. Um, again, in this uh, when we started out. Uh, I mean, it was all the talented young engineers with, uh, within Daimler Trucks. And I, I think that this program was even a, a career, career machine. I think it created at least one of the top leaders within Daimler Trucks. Uh, but it was so crazy here. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, it was the first time that we did it. Every, a lot of people thought you will fail, <laughs> you won't make it. <clears throat> a lot of experienced people were walking, walking away. And, and then we had this, this kill mix of people that just wanted to work globally, just wanted to get it done. Uh, it was a wonderful experience. And for me, um, and I, ever since I was looking for such, uh, for such opportunities and also f- feeling the power of a team that supported us and that there's a problem, let's don't care. <laughs> let's solve it uh, instead of blaming each other. Uh, that mm-hmm. was fantastic. And that, that's, uh, I think, oh, by the way, also the key thing that I now also bring to this job now th- this was uh, down the road. It wasn't. It was a program, really expensive. Um, thousand engineers uh, launching globally a product, and uh, I think that's the experience that I bring to this job. You know, Talk was small in the beginning. In the meanwhile, Talk is a really big company with five sites globally, many time zones, um, and we want to launch a product. Yeah. Uh, not not doing research, not doing tech demos, but really launching a product that might again change trucking. And, and for me, it's so super exciting that I get the second time in my life the chance to do something really, really big uh, with this super talented team here at Talk. 
And uh, I feel the same spirit like, like, like back then. We, we have the engineers, you know, that just have a vision that want to get it done. And um, it, it, I think it's super inspiring. And yeah, uh, my, my, my advice here, just um, put mm -hmm. yourself in situations like this. You will learn a ton. It's a lot of stress, but the fun that you get, um, the rewards, um, is, uh, it's really worth the effort. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really, really interesting and good, and good to hear. And the maybe the question, I know this is a tough one because it's tough to abstract this out, but so you're coming now to Torque with all this experience, having gone through this process successfully in the past, very exciting opportunity now. Can you think of like what? Can you think of any of the key things, or one of the key things that it takes to successfully lead an organization going through such an exciting time and opportunity here? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely uh, it, it's just some basics in the beginning. Um, to start with, listening, win the hearts of your employees and your customers. Mm -hmm. um, And then be be really open minded. Um, you know, there there are some things launching a product where you need to be a little bit more automotive style, Daimler style. Uh, but as a software, it's a robot. It's one of the most challenging. You also need to be um, startup style, really mm -hmm. find, uh, creating this um, this blend of cultures um, and keeping it, uh, let's say, in a, in a positive spirit, fighting forward. Um, I think that that's a matter. I don't know if you call it magic formula, but, but that, that, that's really the, that, that, that's really the key challenge. Yeah? And then step by step, educating their um, their organization here yeah, on deliver on what we promise. But to be honest, it also makes the engineers really proud. Yeah, everyone mm -hmm. wants to deliver. Yeah? I mean, no one doesn't want to deliver. Yeah, I mean, just just creating this culture where we can celebrate the successes. Yeah, a little bit more of accountability, but but driving forward and then really also driving the pride of hey, we achieved this, we achieved this. And I think that speed of progress that we currently have is just, it's just awesome. Yeah. I had a yeah. test right here in Albuquerque and, and saw the new features that will be, that, 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 that will be launched soon again in the, in the next version. And yeah, and then when I then have the truck right on the one side, I'm super excited, but if I see just in the eyes of my engineers and they're explaining, hey, see these cool features and look at this improvement. I think, yeah, that's it more or less. <laughs> yeah, it's exciting to hear, exciting to, see and, and hear the passion and uh, what, uh, what you guys are building here. So I think that that's a good place to leave. I, Peter, I really appreciate the time. This has been a fun conversation. I certainly learned a lot. Nice being able to explore a lot of different topics. I guess I'd, I'd leave it to you. Is there anything we missed here or anything that you, you're hoping someone listening to this takes away from the conversation? Um, no, th thanks for giving me the opportunity. Um, talk is a great company. <laughs> that's, that's my mission out to the world and, uh, and it's an exciting place to work uh, and thanks for the opportunity to speak to your audience great great to you well, thank you again best of luck to you I'll certainly be watching and uh, yeah wish, wish you the best okay thank you have a good one well there you have it hope you enjoyed that conversation with Peter Von Schmidt so what stands out first the idea of just how do you build a business around self-driving autonomous vehicle technology or even just technology like this right which it's a boom or bust huge payout on the back end if and when this comes to market but you're just continually spending losing money as you develop this technology so how do you lead an organization in a way that you maintain the momentum maintain the cop confidence the optimism without being unrealistic without exposing yourself to 
undue financial stress and timelines and everything that comes with traditionally this venture back space. And we we're seeing it in the autonomous vehicle space, how dynamic this is, how challenging it is to successfully navigate these waters. So talking with Peter, especially with the Daimler background that Peter has, and also the, the funding with Torque as an independent subsidiary of Daimler, really interesting to me hearing, you know, how how they're trying to shape, how they're trying to build and make progress in this area, thinking not for tomorrow, not for next year, but for the end of this decade and next decade and, and, and beyond. So I really enjoyed that discussion from, I mean, technical, yeah, we got into some interesting stuff, but really from a business perspective and a organizational leadership perspective, really enjoyed talking with Peter here. So hope you got something on that, uh, that episode as well. I, like I said, really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. As always, more to come next week. Thank you for listening to the Future of Mobility podcast brought to you by Edison Manufacturing and Engineering. If you have a need for a trusted manufacturing partner for low volumes of highly complex products, then please visit us at edison-mfg.com or feel free to shoot me a note directly at brandon.bartnick at edison-mfg.com or visit my LinkedIn page, Brandon Bartnick. Edison specializes in build and assembly of highly complex products and annual volumes of tens to tens of thousands, utilizing an agile and capital light approach. If you're making an impact in the mobility space, we'd love to help. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Future of Mobility podcast.